0: I went
1: to a marvelous party. Max, <bounce> most people don't even know the facts. They go with their gut. Don't and have your to let care you Cares about your money.
0: <laughs> Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time.
1: Fine, you first, Eric. <laughs>
2: everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the thedinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the- Get out of my office! It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric!
1: Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for April 20th, 2014. And tonight we will not be discussing ABC's decision to stock the Easter Sunday edition of their news program This Week with right-wing bigots who, while referring to themselves as religious leaders with a straight face, chose the anniversary of their Messiah's resurrection to defend the homophobic laws of Russian dictator Vladimir Putin and cite dissatisfaction disproved studies and their claim that children require opposite-sex parents for healthy development. Mm -hmm. If he is risen, and he is who you say he is, and he has to listen to that crap you people spout in his name, chances are he's going back in that cave any day now, if he hasn't already. We'll discuss that event when it happens. In the meantime, we're not discussing any of you frauds. Happy fucking Easter. What a lovely sentiment. Absolutely.
0: We also do not want to discuss the views of animal rights advocates who picketed the home of actor Liam Neeson over his views that New York should keep its horse-drawn, handsome cab industry. Mm. Apparently, while the protesters believe in animal rights, they don't believe in Mr. Neeson's. Mm -mm. Just a note to right-wing wingnuts everywhere and who knew they were in the animal rights movement, the right to free speech also includes people who disagree with you why not try Standing up for what you believe in and stop attacking other people.
1: Indeed, we will also not be discussing beautiful historic Charleston, South Carolina's.
0: Aww. Hey y'all,
1: Jersey Shore treatment in a new Bravo reality series called Southern Charm, <laughs> with a pilot episode featuring fifty-one-year-old former state treasurer Thomas Ravenel drunkenly betting a woman twenty-nine years his junior. Charmin. We understand how the genteel residents of beautiful Charleston could feel intruded upon by this pop culture invasion and we'd like to put you at ease by pointing out that you all are the only ones watching this
0: show uh-huh
1: which is why we're not talking about it even if the New York Times is <laughs>
0: <laughs> Further, we have no interest in discussing the overwhelming decision of legislators in our home state, Louisiana, to maintain their totally unenforceable and unconstitutional sodomy laws. Mm. We are astonished that the home of show your spicy bits for beads and doubloons Mardi Gras, Storyville, and Les tom Bontomerolais ever had a law against blowjobs. Mm-hmm but thanks to the jerks in the legislature, they still do. The good news is, though, that like all the other laws in Louisiana, they still have no intention of enforcing them. Thank God,
1: because I broke that one. (laughs) We will also not be discussing game show host and right-wing blogger Pat Sajak's tongue-in-cheek declaration of his heterosexuality on Twitter, because it's nothing more than a limp attempt to demean Ellen Page, Michael Sam, and other celebrities who have chosen to come out in recent months. That's hey, nice. bigots, if being gay now is no big deal, why are you so desperate for everyone to shut up about it?
4: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, potheads, we know today is 420, <laughs> and we don't want to talk about that either. We would, however, love it if you'd abide by the same rules and courtesies that most tobacco smokers do, because while we support your right to smoke out, it still stinks. Think about it, and then pass us the Doritos. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party
2: Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Oh, God. What
0: is this? (laughs) What's
4: happening?
1: To the dinner party oh show, God. people are hurting.
0: Hot first, happy Easter! Yeah, and in honor of the occasion, we want to discuss the UNICEF new anti in public co- campaign <laughs> that they've launched in India. When you put your quarter in the U- trick or treat for UNICEF box last year, you had no idea that you were going to pay for a Pooh-shaped product character. And let us just tell our lovely party people
1: out there in the dark that there are some amazing YouTube videos associated with this campaign, and you
0: were just listening to the audio from some of them. I am telling you, they turned it into a dance party. It's called Pooh Party or Pooh to the Lou Party or something like that. Pooh the number
1: two, the loo. The yeah. goal is to get you to stop pooing in public places in the street, and the streets, and to be a fair
0: apparent, according to what I read in the article on their site. 650 million people shit in the street in India every day. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. I really, I would love to go see India. There are things there that I would like to see, but I I, I don't think you could get me out of my hotel room.
1: We have a hard enough time getting you outside in the city of West Hollywood, right. and we have an excellent trash collection right. program Paris here. Paris
0: really pushed my boundaries <laughs> for cleanliness. I'm such a tight-ass American. When I lived in England, I wanted to start the campaign to bleach London (laughs) because all of the monuments had too much soot on them.
1: Listen, the only people who have told me not to go to India are Indians. My Indian friends have all asked me have you ever been to India? And I say, no. And they say, don't
0: ever go. Well, they, ever. Don't they, ever go. They left, didn't I know. they? They right. were here when they said it to you. So they're maybe there's I'm, something to it. I, You know, like other countries and other people. But yeah, there's a... Anyway, we have excerpted a tiny bit of the uh, the, the ad. Uh, Shay will post it on the site. But really, it is just the most astonishing and thing. And
1: here is another little clip. Let's see. Oh, oh my God.
2: First thing in Not the morning, what do I see? A pile of shit staring at me. This is the I real close thing. my eyes, I step away. No matter where I go, there's no getting away.
0: We're dancing in the studio. I just... Di- oh my god! Like I think maybe the problem is, is that. Really, really poor people live in India and they don't have a loo to poo in. So maybe we could donate the money we're spending on the yes. campaign yes. to buy new loos for people as opposed to mm-hmm. a product character that looks like the top of a dairy queen. It's literally shit. <laughs> the product carrier is uh, the character,
1: excuse me, is a dancing guy. There's a YouTube video of a guy in a rubber shit costume that, listen, as somebody wisely listen, Linda, listen, listen, Linda, listen, Linda, 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 Linda. listen, listen, Be, listen, you. listen, you listen, you listen, listen, Linda, listen to the poo and the loo. Uh as YouTube comments are not always a source of great wisdom, oh, but on this video oh
3: my God. people
1: pointed out, okay, so the people who cannot afford toilets are watching this video on YouTube. Is that
0: who we're targeting yeah, this it, campaign it seems, to? It seems like a bit of a misfire, but who knows? I
1: mean it I, could be on television there, in which case, wow, television there must be amazing. Yeah, like
0: they can sing about the you the shit that you see when you wake up in the morning. I even then I don't think they have television or Maybe even electricity. I mean, the poor people there are really, really, really but poor. Are
1: we sure that the poor people there are the are the cause of the problem? Like maybe that's a sort well, of
0: culturally six hundred and fifty million sumption. people. There are a lot of people there, but that does seem like there <laughs> Can might be you some.
1: Imagine if you visit your friend from like college in India and, and you're walking down the street and he just poos in the middle of the street while he's having a conversation with
0: you. <laughs> just I just the con- like other countries, you know, like other whatever. Other Other cultures. cultures. Other cultures. Other cultures. We're pretty weird, and we certainly do some crazy, terrible stuff, but oh my God. But the
1: presumption of this campaign is that these people that they are speaking to or trying to address have loos, right? So you can't bring your poo to the loo if you don't have basic plumbing, and I'm not talking about the Falcon film from the early 80s. (laughs) You know,
0: like Ah, uh, Cody Foster. So,
1: yeah. So this is not a campaign of let's build more toilets because apparently they don't need them. They just need
0: people to actually shit in them. Actually, that's also on their site, okay. too. They were talking about, yeah. You still did a lot more research like, on this story than I did. It was just one of those things that I couldn't look away. It was like, oh, my God, what the hell is How did is you come this? across
1: this? Because you started texting about it this morning, and I was like, what the fuck? And Siri did not know what it was. You were doing your text through Siri, and it was <laughs> yeah. blue to blue. Blue to blue
0: to the blue. Oh, and
1: I'm like, it's some liberal get out the vote campaign. Or, yeah, you know, no, great. it's
0: not. It was poo to the, the blue. Yeah. So
1: um, before we forget, let's remind people that MJ Rose is going to be on the show tonight. You're not just going to talk about... I
0: to be on the show that <laughs> we've...
1: <laughs> MJ Rose's entire family has just turned off the dinner party show. They're not going to make it to her interview. We're now
0: going to stop talking about that. We're now going to talk about eggs. Eggs, 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 eggs. eggs, eggs, eggs. eggs. eggs.
1: It's the egg extravaganza. We want to remind our live listeners that we're having a contest tonight that is good for only you, our live listeners. We want you to count the number of times we say egg. In the course of this broadcast, and you have how long to submit your answers after the show is over? I think, I think you have an, an hour. You
0: have an hour. It's an hour. You, there's an email address posted. The, the The directions are posted on the Facebook page. Yes, so you can go there or ask Shay about it, and he'll recap that for you. But yeah, so you put you 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 email us the. Uh, the, uh, the total tally. number, the, your tally of how many times we said eggs eggs eggs, 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 eggs on the show,
1: eggs or egg singular, right? Egg, eggs, yeah. eggs, and eggs.
0: Uh, and uh, then if there's a tie, of course there'll be a drawing, and next week we'll announce the winner on the show. We'll we be will a prize of some sort. Maybe it'll be eggs. You'll get Eric <laughs> to bring some
1: eggs to your house. Uh, John Michael Riggs on our Facebook page says, my mother called when I was listening and thought my house was being raided by gay robbers. I told her I wish. (laughs) (laughs) We're gay. We're here to rob you, but you just seem so interesting. We have to engage you in cocktail chatter.
0: I think Cody Foster made that video, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gay robbers (laughs) robbed by gays. Okay. Are we done talking about the poo? Oh, my
0: God, I hope so. But anyway, so, like, go and see this. You really won't believe it. You really should look at the YouTube video. It's really, like, astonishing, and then you never have to do it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, really. Oh, my God. And for somebody who squealed like a small child when Dan Savage was on the show and talked about people who got off on having other people defecate in their mouth. Oh, yeah, let's say it again. Well, let's bring in the loo thing on our, our Easter egg the, extravaganza special. That's actually about
0: sanitation. The way that they're going about it is uh-huh. kind of hideous. A few years ago, they had this thing. I, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but it was the... That um, They made a product character out of uh, syphilis sores, and Ugh. they actually threw them at gay pride parades. They were throwing these syphilis sores, these little stuffed God. product character. It was the most disgusting. It's like, really? Yeah, that—well, it, it is a turnoff, so maybe it'll prevent yeah. people from having sex and spreading uh, syphilis. Well, than, I have uh, to
1: say, my favorite moment so far of this Easter Sunday, which we are apparently going to spend talking about syphilis and, and uh, defecation— Uh, Was bad product characters. Bad product advertising is really what we're
0: talking about.
1: CNN's headline that I saw this morning: "Did Jesus really come back from the dead?" (laughs) (laughs) I just I couldn't even click through because I was like, I wonder if a staff writer on their website is going to be able to solve Uh, a centuries-old question in 700 words or less. One of my I just wonder.
0: One of my all-time favorite. Entertainment anomalies. A few years ago, Mel Gibson did that film, The Passion of Christ, and it was a huge box office hit, and it was Mm -hmm. number one at the box office week after week after week. And then it was replaced as the number one film in America by, wait for it, Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) Like, (laughs) kind of the same thing. It's like that's what happens when you put your sacred traditions on the big screen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have to say. I you know I I think it's it, oh, there's I, a new
0: movie this week that yeah. they're all about all the religious movies that are out there, right? And there's a new one is Heaven Real. Is
1: Heaven Real? Was, there was also I, there was some controversy around Noah which because it was apparently wasn't accurate. <laughs> The giraffes didn't all line up in the precise order that they used to in the children's book. Right? Yeah. Listen, I listen, Listen, Linda. Listen, listen, I respect everybody's religious traditions except when they try to force them up my rectum
0: in my bedroom. Honestly, it's just one of those things where it's like, guys, really, like. You want to stay? Yeah, but the, the same is happening with this. There's all of these articles about oh, is this a new trend? Is this you know the? But it's number two. It's not the number one movie in America this weekend. Number one is Captain America. So does that mean we should worship Captain America? I since, worship Captain since America. he's number one.
1: I worship Marvel because they know how to make fucking money. And, and I, tell I yeah. like money.
0: Who doesn't like money? Those folks at Disney, they've got it figured out, Yeah,
1: apparently so. Okay, speaking of money, the news headline of the week that I was paying attention to, which isn't a fun story, is that the chairman of Barnes & Noble has sold $64 million worth of his stock, which reduces his share to 20%. And this is also coming on the heels of Liberty Media selling their rather large stake in the company as well. And the Wall Street Journal is reporting that business analysts are saying – that if Barnes and Noble is, and I believe this is the direct quote, still in its current form by the end of 2015, I will be very surprised. Or the end of 2014. Oh, Lord. So I, you know, this is very scary news. I think for the the book business. Well, you know?
0: it's you know the continuing change. It's. Uh, I there have been times in history where technology has changed. And, uh, you know, what happened to all of those scribes who were copying all right, the books all right. those years and living in monasteries? That industry was destroyed by the invention of movable types. So right. There are points at which things change and things reconfigure. I hope that the, the, my greatest concern is the loss of people's access to books Mm, mm -hmm. you know that that sort of being able to touch them and interact with them and see them I I don't know I love them but albums I remember one day when there just weren't any albums anymore and all the music stores went away and so, uh, I don't and know. And then the question
1: I... becomes how do you discover things by accident? Because, as much as I love digital technology and I'm a big Amazon customer, a lot of your experience on Amazon and on iTunes is tailored by what you have already purchased. You're seeing algorithmic results for people who buy what you buy. And very rarely are there editorial considerations, or, or I should say, the only other option is an editorial consideration by the website, which is often paid co op to put something in front of everybody at the same time. Mm-hmm. How do you have that experience of wandering accidentally into the section and picking up the book that you never knew about? And... Well,
0: here's hoping that some, there's some great guys out there who will start a radio show where they talk <laughs> about those kinds of things. We'll tell you what to people buy. they can trust. And we have
1: an author on the show tonight, M.J. Rose, who will be here in a little bit. Uh, she is her new book, The Collector of Dying Breaths, is available for sale. She will be here to talk about that. And you can Perfume, find that through our website. Poison and past lives are the subject of her new. It's really thriller. sounds fascinating. Absolutely. And, and Catherine uh, de Medici, who I just love, absolutely. But in the meantime, we have more extravaganza fun for you here on the Dinner Party Show.
2: You're listening to the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. We take you to Breck Artery,
1: live from the TDPS News World Headquarters, Breck.
0: This is Freck Artery coming to you live from the TDPS newsroom here at the Dinner Party Show studios on Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood. Tonight, we have an exclusive interview with the name in everyone's hearts and on everyone's lips on this most sacred of holidays. No, not him. Ladies and gentlemen, and party people all across the diversity spectrum, I give you Peter Cottontail, the Easter Bunny. How are
4: you, Peter? I'm fucking exhausted. Oh, God, sorry. Can I say that here? Looks like you just did. Sorry, dude. It's a big day, you know. And no, no matter how much training you do, it's still a tough gig. Lots of little children to make happy, lots of eggs. So fucking many eggs. And you can't lay them all in advance, you know. You lay the eggs? Yeah, and eggs go bad, you know. I have to lay all the eggs for all 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 the children around the world in just one month's time. So if these eggs hatched, would there be little rabbits inside? Oh, Brack, common misconception, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Nice one. They're chicken eggs. But you're a rabbit. How do you lay chicken
0: eggs? Well, it's the miracle of Easter, Breck. Really? I thought there was a different miracle being celebrated here. It's a
4: season of miracles, Breck. I see. And the egg colors? Another miracle. Though I do uh-huh. have to eat a lot of brightly colored foods throughout the year. Where can we cut the charade. I don't know what you Isn't
0: it true that Easter has been owned and run by an Eastern syndicate for
4: years? Those charges have never been proved. Is this the kind of gotcha journalism that you've been reduced to on this kaka made me show We have documented proof that the whole laying
0: colored egg scam you've been running for years is nothing but a sham perpetrated by you and the International Egg Board on unsuspecting children around the world. Lies! All unproven lies! In fact, what do eggs and bunny rabbits have to do with Easter to begin with? Isn't this just yet another case of yet another sacred religious holiday being co-opted by soulless business interests far more concerned with profits than any spiritual considerations.
4: This is about the children, goddammit! What about the children? Don't
0: bring the children into this! Here is a recording we obtained of you speaking to chocolate bunny speculators about trying to corner the market and fix prices on the must-have items of the season. Roll the tape, Brandon! So, uh, beta we got a deal? We'll flood the market with cheap,
4: unimported chocolate with counterfeit Swiss and Belgium labels. Yeah, you keep me in carrots and clover, and you can wrap turds in gold foil for all I care. I'll have the little bastards begging for more. They want what I tell them to want. You sure you can pull this off? Are you kidding? I got people high on sugar and hiding eggs in the bushes to celebrate a holiday about surviving capital punishment and escaping from Egypt. I got this, or my name's not Peter J. Cottontail.
0: So, Mr. Cottontail, what do you have to say to these damning revelations?
4: All right, okay, I'll come clean, Breck. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and as you lay this all out, I can see the harm that I'm doing. What are you saying, Peter? I'm saying... what I am saying is... the fact is, Breck, I have a serious problem with artificial food coloring. What? It's true. I started taking it at first primarily just to improve egg color. Uh. A little yellow here, some blue there, red dye number three, five, and some seven. But before long, I was looking for more and more exotic hues, brighter and brighter colors. And then I was dying for the stuff all year round, not just at the holidays. What do you say to people who would say that this is just another of your Easter scams, Peter? I would say that I'm going to be entering a Malibu rehab hutch as a first step toward getting off the performance in enhancing dyes and getting back to the true meaning of Easter. Which is what, exactly? It's about the children, Brick. The children. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a pandemic. Look around you. Artificial food coloring is everywhere. Look at what's happened in the peeps community. Those little motherfuckers practically glow in the dark. I'm speaking out because if sharing my struggle can help one child to say no to caramel coloring, then it will have been worth it. I am appalled by your shameless performance
0: here today. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, all I can say is bad rabbit, very bad rabbit. Until next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you good night and good
4: dinner. That ought to hold the little bastards till next year. The, uh, mic is still on, Peter. This is bullshit, Breck. I came in here good faith for this holiday puppies and you ambush me with this shit.
0: It's a news interview, Peter. Fuck
4: you, weck. Fuck you!
0: Hippity-hop, little rabbit.
4: And where do you get off calling me Bad Rabbit, huh? Where the fuck do you get off?
0: Oh, that's fine. Coming from you? It's all about the children? Where do you fucking get off? Fuck you,
4: fucker!
0: Happy bunny trails to you, you frog.
2: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish! Welcome back
1: to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And M.J. Rose's most recent novel, The Collector of Dying Breaths, combines fascinating history, torrid romance, and a compelling mystery into a marvelous package that will entice fans of Anne Rice and Diana Gabaldon. And that is from the Associated Press review of the novel that just came down this week. M.J. Rose, welcome to The Dinner Party Show.
5: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, It's it's a long time in coming, and I will tell listeners, you are one of my oldest, oldest, dearest friends, (laughs) as we say here on the Dinner Party Show. So it's a thrill to have you on.
5: Oh, thank you. I remember listening to the very first show. Oh, that's right. Yes.
1: Yes. Did you listen to our test show too? We had a ghost show that we had maybe five people listen to just to make sure the connection was working, and then we had our our premiere episode. And I remember you commenting on Facebook during our premiere.
5: Yeah. No. I think it was just the premiere, and I was trying to get you more listeners and posting everywhere and doing well, all that stuff. Appreciate
0: that. How did you and Christopher first meet? Was it Thriller Writers, or how did you guys meet up to begin with?
5: No, I think we stomper. met at thriller writers, but we bonded one night in New York
0: um, yes. during
5: was it BEA? Yes. and we slept each other to each other's parties right for like for hours. So it was like a wingman it was really thing fun. Professional yeah, yeah. Wingman.
1: <laughs> Well, my favorite memory of that night is that we went to this big gay party that was like the gay literary house party, and yes. MJ knew everyone and I knew no one. Like everyone was like MJ. <laughs> so it really was a wingman party. Well, the other part of MJ's bio that I left off is that MJ you started the first marketing firm uh, specifically for authors.
5: Yes. Thank and you. I've been doing that since 2005. So, and before that I was the Wired Report, the reporter for Wired for the on the publishing industry. So that's why I knew a lot of people.
1: Right. Right. And so we we want to talk some about how you got started because you were sort of a self-publishing sensation, I should say, long before the age of Amazon and Kindle and e-books. And and your bio says that you began publishing digitally. Is that really an accurate description?
5: Yes, I was I am the first author to self-publish a novel online in nineteen ninety eight that got picked up by the new york publishing establishment and it was completely an accident i had an agent and we had rave reviews and everybody was telling her that they would buy my book if only they knew how to market it (laughs) but i was in advertising and i worked at a big agency in new york and i knew how to market a novel that was cross-genre so I said to her, we had two novels that were rejected for the same reason. And I said to her, I'm going to go online. And she said, what's online? This was like 1998. Right. <laughs> what's and, on- and there's no And said, hi, there's online no is. is like and after I explained baby. that, I said, I'm going to put up this Word document on my website. And people can buy it and download it and read it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to advertise the book three different ways and test market a campaign. And whichever campaign sells the most books, we can go back to the publisher and say, look, she sold 20 books with this campaign. You should buy her book. And the only place to sell a book, so it turned out people didn't really want to buy a Word document and I didn't really want to keep going to Kinko's. Right. So I printed up 1,000 copies or something, actually more than that, 2,500 copies, and I put up the download, and I put the printed copies up at Amazon, because anybody who had an ISBN could do that. And I went online, I started doing these ad campaigns. And um, this, by now, it's 1998, it took me a while to figure all this out, so we started... Um, ahead of everyone it else selling. in the
0: entire world,
5: <laughs> it started selling, and all of a sudden, it like caught on, and it was the best-selling small press book at Amazon. Um, Amazon was like only what three years old. Yeah, then. Amazon was babies and, back yeah. then. Yeah, and um, the Doubleday Book Club and Literary Guild um, found the book somehow in the Amazon search engine. It came up. You know, if you like this, you'd like this. And an editor there bought the book and then contacted me, because the name of my company was Lady Chatterley's Library, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the URL was in the back of the book. And so she contacted me and said, I read this book, and we want to buy it for the Double Day Book Club, the Erotic Book Club, and the Mystery Book Club, and like all the different book clubs. And I was like, cool, but you know, it's actually self-published. And I didn't ever mean to sell it. And she said, no, 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 we want it. We don't care. So huh. I said, have you ever done this before? And she said, no. And I said, great. Do you mind if I send out a press release? Because I'm from advertising. Right. I send a so I press you know. release to Bloomberg and AP and all these places. And uh, within three weeks, the book had sold to Simon and & Schuster. And they reprinted it. And I was on the Today Show. And I wound up, without meaning to, being the first person to do this, and um, and that—that's what happened.
0: Oh my God! I this is fascinating. You invented <laughs> digital publishing, MJ. I'm incredibly <laughs> impressed.
1: Right, and and now you offer this service to other authors. You have the—you have your own firm.
5: Yes, we have. I have my own marketing company, and I help other authors do marketing. It's much more difficult now than it was when I was doing it because there were a couple of other authors that were playing around with e-books. I don't want you to think I invented e-books. I only wish. (laughs) But I was simply the first one to use the Internet to market the e-book and then get discovered. And it took a really long time for it to take off because e-books weren't easy to read or cheap enough. The
0: readers. And
5: the devices weren't cheap enough really until 2009, Right. and we always said that when you could a device cost less than 100 dollars ebooks would really take off and and then when amazon did the kindle that is exactly when ebooks really just right. went through the roof
1: That's wonderful. Well, let's talk some about your most current book, The Collector of Dying Breaths, which I think is a fascinating topic and a fascinating title. But this is your third book featuring, and I'm going to mispronounce her name because it's French, Jacques Latoile. Did I get it right? Oh, no,
5: that was perfect. Jacques Latoile.
1: That's that eighth grade French coming through just at the right time. Pays off, along with his uh, boarding school
0: girl handwriting. (laughs)
1: Absolutely, which I got from my mother, by the way. You have a doctor's handwriting, Eric Sharcoin. But today is about MJ. (laughs) A mad doctor. <laughs> so yeah. this is the third book featuring Jacques Latois and Jacques Latoile has the ability to visit her past lives through fragrance, really, that that sense are memory triggers for that. her. And and she can go literally not just back in time, but back in multiple times really.
5: <laughs> Yeah, she's quite the little magician she is. <laughs> but she um she can remember her past lives and she also can actually remember other people's past lives for them. Wow. And she's very disturbed by all this and she's been denying it for her whole life. Right. And in this book she winds up going back in time and um to Catherine de' Medici's
0: France. One of my favorite historical figures. What a wonderful, fascinating character she is. And and so we know, and
1: based on your book, we know that Catherine de' Medici used poison to rid herself of her enemies, and she's often disguised these poisons as perfumes. Is this true?
5: Yes, well, poison was the method of choice of all women throughout history because it's much more feminine than a gun or a knife. It's much easier to conceal. It's more secretive and more duplicitous, which fits women's personality. And it's hard to detect. And And, they
0: were in charge of the food and drink.
5: Yeah, so it it was all very easy. But what Catherine did was Catherine brought her perfumer. Catherine was a young girl in Italy, and she was 14 years old when she was sent to France to marry the prince. And she took with her over 300 people, which is what they did back then when they got married because they couldn't travel much. And among them, she took her perfumer, who was a young man of 17 named Rene. And he he goes to France with her, and he becomes her perfumer, and the two of them start the perfume industry in France. This is all true. And one of the things that he created for her were poisons because... She needed interesting poisons. She didn't want to use the old arsenic right. in the, so in the wine glass. Edge. So she, Exactly. So <laughs> he creates for her clothes that are impregnated with scent that are really chemical poisons. And she poisons people by giving them gifts of, of, of a shirt, gloves. <laughs> God.
0: <laughs> so it's like uh, chemical warfare, right?
5: Yes. Weaponized yes. 16th perfume. century chemical warfare. Yeah, yeah. So and that a- part's all true. That's oh, all true. Wow.
1: Wow. wow. So that's part of the book, but also there's this idea in the book that if you collect someone's dying breath, you are also collecting or capturing part of their soul. Is this your invention, or is this something you stumbled across in the history books?
5: Yes, I stumbled across this of all places I was reading. Something about reincarnation and Henry Ford, the auto automagnet, and Thomas Alva Edison, the inventor, among other things, of the light bulb, were both um, really obsessed with reincarnation. Huh. And they both believed that your soul leaves your body in your dying breath, which is really an ancient Egyptian um, concept. And you can see w- how you think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you die, your last breath, your right. soul comes out of your body. Sure. But Henry, Henry Ford and Thomas Alva Edison were obsessed with it. And when Thomas Edison died, his last breath was indeed captured in a test tube. Oh,
1: no. Does that mean he's trapped in in a test tube?
5: Is what? Does
1: Does that that mean he's trapped in a test tube?
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the test tube is in Henry Ford's museum. Thomas Edison's Last Breath is in Henry Ford's <laughs> Museum. And there might be a soul in there that nobody's been able to figure right. out how to extract.
0: He must be so pissed off. <laughs> Let
5: me out of this yeah, guy's If The lights go you. on, the lights go off. He's really happy because he can see his invention all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's really interesting.
5: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I searched so if, for these So, in, the, in the mythology,
0: things. if I inhaled the test tube, would I become Thomas Alva Edison? Aha!
5: Uh-huh. So that's the question, right? So, Ooh. in the 16th century, the perfumer, his his mentor, collected the dying breaths, and now he's trying to come up with the elixir or the formula to turn that dying breath into. A person like to take the soul and then put it in let a baby, put it in somebody who's in a coma, put it in somebody who's just like boring and make them exciting. We don't know. <laughs> He's working on right. that. And then in the present, Jacques has um, th- there's a collector, uh, an art collector, a woman named Malinowa Cypress who's very extravagant, and she's got this non-name art like collection. That. <laughs> and she. Uh, is obsessed, as collectors are, this is really based on a lot of research, collectors are obsessed with staying with their collection after they die. Mm. or what's going to happen to their collection after they die? Because they spend their lives building these collections, then they die and the collections are dispersed or ruined or not, not taken care of correctly. So she wants to stay with her collection, and she's heard about this dying breath concept, and she figures if she can find somebody... To help her figure out how you can turn a soul into a person through this dying breath process, she can stay with her collection. So in the past and the present, we have two people both looking for the same
0: elixir. Okay, so the art collector is in contemporary times with Jacques.
5: Yeah, she hires Jacques.
0: Jacques. To help
5: her. This find has been—is this. Is, is this been a
1: basic format for this book and your previous two books, where this sort of shift back and forth between the the, uh, the historical period that you're obsessed with and, and a sort of contemporary storyline with Jacques?
0: Yeah. 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 The so last if you love dying breaths, history. there's more.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. <laughs> so what are your personal beliefs about reincarnation? This is obviously a fictional world in which reincarnation is indisputably real. Where does M J Rose fall on the reincarnation belief spectrum? <laughs>
5: Well, I don't not believe it, um, but I go back and forth. I've never had a past life memory. Um, I've never been able to, I've tried, I've never been able to go to regress at all. I can't really be hypnotized easily, mm. but when I was a little kid and I was three years old, I apparently told my grand great-grandfather a story at a Seder, which is, Since Passover, Um, I I told him a story at at a seder about remember when we went and broke the windows with the apples, and Hmm. my great grandfather apparently put down his wine glass and said Shlomo because his young cousin named Shlomo, and he used to throw apples at the side of their building in Russia. Wow. house and broke the windows because the apples were frozen and he was convinced I was reincarnated from Shlomo. My great-grandfather was a Jewish Kabbalist scholar and Kabbalists believe in reincarnation. So he was convinced I was reincarnated and my mother thought it was ridiculous but she started doing research into reincarnation and became quite fascinated in it. So I kind of grew up with reincarnation conversation
3: Right. Around
5: me, and it kind of stayed with me. But it's, it's. I'm fascinated with it, but I don't really have um, a very personal relationship to it. Although I've been writing about it for like eight years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's sort of like people asking Anne if vampires are real.
1: Well, what, what about yeah, the other half yeah. of the obsession on display in the book, which is f- uh, scent, perfume? Yeah. when, well, when did really that take hold with
5: perfume. you? Yeah. Since I was a little girl, I once uh, there's actually a story about my mother coming home and finding me with all her ro- roses. Uh, somebody had given her roses, uh-huh. roses and eucalyptus leaves submerged in a bowl of vodka, the
2: and vodka, I was mashing that them. That sounds well, refreshing.
5: I, I read that perfume was flowers and alcohol. (laughs) So, in our house, you know, I went to the bar and the gin didn't smell good. The vodka didn't have much smell. Mm -hmm. So, I was like 10 years old. So, I poured the vodka into the roses and started uh, the line of absolute.
0: Right Absolute rose in a eucalyptus (laughs) Absolute
3: eucalyptus
1: (laughs) Well MJ in the time that we have left We do want to let people know that you are currently The co-president of the International Thriller Writers Organization and your co-president Is none other than Lee Child Creator of the Jack Reacher novels Love him Um, So this book is a thriller Is that how we would describe it or should describe it
5: Sure. I mean, I just call it a novel of suspense because mm-hmm. it's a little softer than a thriller. We don't have a lot of people getting murdered. We don't have any guys. I don't know. Shakers. Catherine
0: sounds like trouble.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a soft thriller. Co-
0: weaponized uh, gift-giving. A soft,
5: smelly thriller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a scented thriller. That's wonderful. Well, MJ, thank you for joining us today. We want to remind everyone the book is called The Collector of Dying Breaths. It just received a rave review from the Associated Press, which compared it to Anne Rice and Diana I always mispronounce her name and it's good because she's not actually my mother Diana Gabaldon
0: (laughs) (laughs) and thank heavens your mother's name is so easy to pronounce
1: absolutely and it is available uh, for sale in our store at thedinnerpartyshow.com and uh, MJ we hope you'll come back and join the show very soon
5: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Good
1: Absolutely. luck with the book. Great to meet you. And now we have a very special report since this is our Easter special. We have sent a special correspondent we have not heard from recently to an Easter egg hunt, and that is Buzz Kilton. Oh,
0: no, not Buzz at an let's Easter egg see. hunt. She Ugh. might. She might. This could be fun.
1: Maybe this will be the first time. Fun for who? Buzz has fun. Let's, right. let's take it. It's Easter time here
0: at the Dinner Party Show, and it's been a while since we've heard from our Bay Area culture critic, Buzz Kilton. In order to get an alternative read on this popular springtime holiday, we sent Buzz to the scene of a children's Easter egg hunt in Golden Gate Park.
3: Here's her report. John F. Kennedy once said, We must put an end to war before war puts an end to mankind. Of armed conflicts and its terrible losses, Bertrand Russell wrote, War does not determine who is right, only who is left. Here in the sunlit fields of Golden Gate Park, the war against our mother Gaia continues. The perpetrators, leering, cackling children, turned cogs to a patriarchal system of incessant ovular slaughter. The victims, the entombed spirits of the winged, who shall never ascend beyond their wombs-turned prisons, each one painted with the pastel colors of war paint. I spoke to the organizer of this atrocity, schoolteacher John Fielding.
0: Well, we have kids from several different schools across the Bay Area here with us today. The The weather couldn't be better, and I'm happy to report that for Every child who finds any egg in the first 10 minutes of the hunt, reading is fundamental, will donate several books to the library at that child's school.
3: Yes, but what about the guilt once the children realize what they've done? I'm sorry, the the what? The guilt, the shame, once the children realize they have blood on their tiny hands. Uh Are you all right? It is no surprise that the faculty organizers of this event seem entirely oblivious to the slaughter they have come here to perpetrate. I am reminded of the Milgram experiment, in which Yale University psychologist Stanley Milgram measured the willingness of individuals to obey an authority figure who instructed them to perform acts conflicting with their personal conscience. I blame the system and not the perpetrators. It is a system which equates the vulgar awakening of our Mother Earth with the marauding of a giant anamorphic potential rapist they call the Easter Bunny. A system that exalts the desperate, last-minute attempt of Christianity to attach A happy ending to the sadistic celebration of capital punishment which forms the linchpin of its entire belief system Easter is there hope at all for Earth's awakening uh, ma'am ma'am put that egg
0: down we hide them for a reason honestly
3: there are heroes even in wartime bright spirits whose selflessness soars above the piles of corpses and smoking ruins of cities. I went looking for one among the children.
5: My mommy
1: made me this dress because it's pink and it has flowers on it and it's pretty.
3: Are you concerned that its bright colors will mark you as a target for predators? Or have you already come to realize your mother is the worst predator of them all? You
0: talk me.
3: Come, young one. Let us try an experiment. Let us place one of these eggs up to our ear and see if we can hear the voice coming from within. Okay. There you go, yes. Right up to your ear, just like that. Now listen. Listen very closely to the spirit within. Can you hear it screaming? No. Listen closer. Okay. Now. Can you hear anything at all? Yes, I can hear something. You can hear the screaming? You can hear the screams of protest from the small life within? No, it's saying something else. What? What is it saying? It's saying oh, I want Chagrin. No, 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 that's not what it's saying.
0: I it said oh, I
5: want Chagrin, buddy,
3: right now. Give me that egg. In the chaos of vernal slaughter, A young girl's mind sets animal against animal in a cycle of brutal and ceaseless consumption. My search for a hero continued with Boyd Jones, the Park Service's worker forced to maintain the grounds befouled by the children of the 1%.
1: The kids are all right this year, I guess. I mean, some of them burst out crying when they don't find an egg right away, but they get over it, and...
3: Hey, you got any
1: Marlboro lights hidden in those dreadlocks?
3: You said the kids were all right this year. What crimes were they led to perpetrate last year?
1: I don't know if I'd call it a crime, but I was cleaning the public restroom over there, and four of them came in and turned off the light and threw the lock on the door. I mean, it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened, but... Who wants to be locked in a public bathroom with a
0: bunch of kids unless you're some kind of weirdo?
3: Caged? You were caged, Mr. Jones. Uh, okay, all right, sure. Listen to this egg. Can you hear it screaming?
1: Oh, I get it. You're one of those crazy anti-abortion
2: people.
3: What?! Spirits are crushed. Identities lost and hope is in short supply at the Bay Area Educational Alliance Golden Gate Park Easter Egg Hunt and Hot Dog Party. I knew the participants were hopelessly mired within their capitalistic conditioning, and so I was forced to take desperate action and then seek solace in the rhythm of the drum.
0: Excuse me, you, with the drum? Yes, what's that in the bag next to you?
3: What bag? Are those the eggs? They are not eggs, they are refugees. The kids have been looking for
0: 20 minutes now and they haven't found a single egg. Did you really all right, steal um, all of them? Right. Are you Everybody crazy? Let's Hi, Let's
1: yeah. ma'am, up. ma'am, yeah, yeah. can you come over? Um,
3: the right long here. arm of patriarchy, always stunning in its reach. ...arrived in the form of Officers Lopez and Maguire... ...who engaged me in a sustained and serious conversation... ...in which I was impatiently asked to explain motives... ...in language free of, quote, jargon and gobbledygook. While no arrests were made... ...I was reminded of the sacrifices we must make... ...for our earth and for our children. And like most women of dignity and social consciousness... ...I was left... To weep openly in Golden Gate Park.
2: You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day.
0: Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we are imbued with the glow of the holiday. We sure are. Life of Brian, war, what is it
1: good for? A campaign to get 68 million Indians to crap in their toilets.
0: An expose on the Easter Bunny.
1: But we also had MJ Rose, who is, very, who is Jewish.
0: I really, <laughs> really... I think... <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, so is Jesus.
4: I know. All right. All
1: right. All right. I,
0: but, um, one of those. Yeah. I just, just yeah.
1: Listen, we don't, I don't believe in the resurrection.
0: Okay. So first you're just going to roll
1: right over my beliefs. I don't, I, I think it's a great holiday. I think it's a great idea. When it's practiced correctly, sort of like certain things in the bedroom, and uh, you know, I don't, I, it's, it's great. I, I, I just, you, you know, know, like
0: what? I, I'm not sure that I believe in the significance that it's given. Uh, maybe there's resurrection. I don't know anything about you how have, life works.
1: I, you know what's risen right now is your hair. Has it? You've got some <laughs> things happening with your hair that they cannot see. There you go. You have your little scrunchie back there. Yeah, I have a scrunchie. You have my an hair alligator clip in the head. And and ba- it looks like so. I don't know, like a little oh, you waffle ironed part of your hair.
0: I did. I Listen. used a waffle iron on my hair this morning. Okay, so there's there's housekeeping business. Okay. So, first up, we're looking for who's the who's the oh, contest winner's name. We're this tra- is it. This is our last request. If you don't know, it's
1: a dinner party show tradition to have a big contest, declare a winner, and then spend six months before we give them your prize. But we are compiling information for everyone who has won a contest recently That we don't have information for.
0: (laughs) And we're sending somebody to your home.
1: And we're sending Ed McMahon to your home with Jordan Ampersand and that small child from the Buzz Kilton sketch. And a
0: giant check.
1: Serena Toxicat, if you are indeed a real person, you were one of our contest winners and we do not have your personal information. If we do not get your personal information by next week's show, we will take another six months to get you your gift. No. (laughs) We no, will give your gift to it. somebody This is it. This is the else. last
0: time we're asking. Absolutely. We've we're keeping it. finally, the
1: gift. finally got M. Ross Michaels his signed copy oh, of Dan Savage's book. Oh, my God. Books. That only
0: took 72 years. Yeah.
1: Okay. Next week, we are joined live in studio by the creator of Wonderfalls, Pushing oh, Daisies, God. and NBC's Hannibal. Just one of my favorite Favorite. Oh God.
0: Brian
1: Fuller will be here in studio. So excited. Live. So we want your questions for Brian Fuller either on our Facebook page or on our party line at 323-Pez T D P S. Uh, we will open up our party line for guest questions for the first time in the show's history. We didn't have the party line up and running the last time we had a guest on, so this should be fun.
0: You can actually hear your own voice asking. Or it'll be a, horrible, but okay. we'll find out together You're <laughs> on next Ryan week's dinner party Fuller
3: show. about vaginas.
0: Also, it's been pointed out to us that today is George DeKai's 77th birthday. Yeah. Yeah, 77, it says here. It's also Adolf Hitler's birthday. Um, Jessica Lange. The fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing, Hitler? <laughs> Joey Lawrence, Carmen Electra, Crispin Glover. It's also the Columbine anniversary. All right, don't read, God, the, read the what a busy day. day. Have it's you ever been... seen this page? It's the AP, no. This Day no. in the History I'll tell you what, though.
1: I was literally born on the day Larry Flint was shot. The day the founder of Hustler was shot and paralyzed for life. So you have an alibi. I have an alibi. (laughs) I was in a uterus for half of it. Um, So, anyway. We want to thank Arthur M.J. Rose. Her book is called The Collector of Dying Breaths. It is available on our site, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. I want to thank Eric for being here with his fun hairdo again this week.
0: It's really, it's always my pl- personal pleasure and my hairs. I
1: want to thank Shea Butters for being on the Facebook page and counting the number of times we said egg and remind our party egg, people. Egg, egg. You have an hour from when the show finishes to submit your tally at Web at the Dinner Party Show, and if that is wrong, uh, Shea Butters will tell you right now on the Facebook page. (laughs) I want to thank our sound designer, Brandon Griffith, for posting photographs of his workstation during our live show. We can really see where his priorities are. But I really
0: love—it's either either the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, or it's the end of— Deer Hunter being restaged, entirely, the, the Russian roulette scene being restaged entirely with chocolate animals. I'm not sure. Judge for yourself. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Egg, 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 egg. He's Christopher
1: Rice. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show.
0: Thanks.